Now, if you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're in part four of our objection series. And in this series, we are exploring some of the common objections that people have to the Christian faith. So let me take you back to what we've talked about so far. So in week one, we talked about Christian hypocrisy and the objection of that. So there are people that say, you know what? I have a hard time believing in Jesus because of all these Christians who don't live like him. That's a big objection that's out there. Then in week two, we looked at the objection of God's existence. So there are people that say, you know, I have a hard time believing in a God I can't see. And so I tried to offer some evidence of God's existence. And I hope you were able to wrestle through some of that stuff. Last week, we looked at the objection of bad things happening in the world. And we learned together that we didn't like any of the answers that I gave last week, right? Like none of them. We didn't like any. And I'm surprised you're actually back this week. But I'm, I'm really glad that you are back this week. But again, last week we looked at these answers for why bad things happen. And the reality is we don't like those answers. But we had to wrestle with what are we going to do with answers that we don't like? Are we going to look for answers that we do like? Or are we going to wrestle with the answers that God has given us? And I hope that we'll continue to wrestle with those things. Now today we're going to look at Christianity's exclusive claim that it is the only way to eternal life. We'll talk about why that's possible. Then next week, we'll look at the objection of science and the Bible. There are people who say, you know, I'm a fact person, so that leads me towards science. And there are people who say, you know, I'm kind of a faith person, that leads me towards faith. So we have these objections where someone who's looking for facts often says, you know what, faith is just about faith, and, and it really lacks the facts that it needs. And so until I see facts, I don't know that I can put my faith in that because of the objections of science in the Bible. So we'll explore that next week. Now, this morning, if you are someone who's here and you have some of those objections, I am so glad you're here. Uh, Whether somebody invited you to come or or you somehow heard of what we're talking about, you're just here, just checking us out. I am so glad you're here, and I hope that we can adequately address some of the objections that you have. And if you know somebody that has these objections, I encourage you to tell them about our website or our iTunes account where they can listen to any of the messages that we've already talked about. We archive all of our messages there, and that's a great way to keep up with what's going on if you can't be with us on a Sunday. Now, when it comes to Christianity's claim that it is the only way to eternal life, there are many people in our world that kind of find that narrow-minded and even sometimes offensive. And it, the people that think that aren't just people who are outside of the Christian faith, they're people inside the Christian faith that feel that way as well. I actually have some good friends who are Christ followers, And yet after some very positive experiences that they have had with people uh, in an international kind of a world setting where there's people from all around the world, people of different faith systems, they've kind of come to the thought and the conclusion that, you know, how can these people be wrong? They're such good people. Like, how could God punish them just because they grew up in another part of the world believing in a different God? Won't God be gracious to them because they're sincere? They're sincere worshipers, and they're really good people. So Christianity's claim that it is the only way is something that even Christians struggle with. And in our struggle with that claim, 
there's been this new kind of faith system that's kind of birthed out there. And it, it's really not a new faith system. It's kind of a recycled faith system. So for today's purposes, I'm going to call this new faith system inclusivity or inclusive faith. So listen to the basic beliefs of inclusive faith. So the basic beliefs are this. No religion contains absolute truth. It's the first belief system of inclusivity. The second one is all religions have their own version of truth and are equally valuable. And then number three, there's not one way to God, but many ways to him or whatever lies beyond this life. So when you look at the different beliefs that are out there and and some of the different faith systems, you look at atheism. Atheism kind of says that, you know, all religion is false, false and all religion is kind of bad. And yet inclusive faith says all religion is good and all religion is equally good. There's a lot of people out there that believe this. One of the leading proponents of it is a person that you might be familiar with. Her name is Oprah Winfrey. So listen to what Oprah says. She says, one of the biggest mistakes that humans make is to believe there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to God. And again, she's not the only one that believes that. There are a whole lot of people out there that believe in this kind of new faith system of inclusivity. Another core belief of inclusive faith is that all religions basically teach the same thing and lead to the same place. Now, when you really think about that, I kind of feel like it's a little bit intellectually dishonest for us to say that. Uh, There are no devout Muslims out there that would say, oh yeah, we basically teach the same thing that Judaism teaches. There are no uh, Buddhists out there that would say, yeah, we basically teach the same thing as Christianity. Uh, We have different religions based upon different beliefs because they're different. They don't basically teach the same thing. As you look at the core of each religion, you'll notice there are some similarities, but they are very different. And they don't lead or they don't teach that they lead to the same places. So again, atheism, we'll take that as a faith system. And if you think about it, it really is a faith system, even when atheism says, we don't believe in faith. Well, it's a faith system if you're going to hold on to a belief that there is no God. So atheism says at the end of life, they're believing that at the end of life, that's it, it's over, there's nothing more. Then Islam teaches that if you are a true follower, true Muslim, true follower of the Quran, you will end up in heaven with Allah. Christianity teaches if you're a true follower of Jesus, then you will end up in a different kind of heaven than the one that that the Muslims talk about with a different kind of God. You won't end up with the God uh, called Allah. You'll end up with the God of the Bible. And then Buddhism says that once we learn how to rid ourselves of all desire in our lives, then our soul will be absorbed into the universe in an experience called nirvana. So I don't think that we can honestly say that different religions basically teach the same thing or lead to the same places because they don't. Now, I want you to listen to some of the statements of Christianity, some of the claims that Christianity makes, and this is going to come from Jesus, the founder of Christianity, and this is partly where Christianity gets its narrow-minded label. So listen to Jesus. He said in John 17, three, 
He says, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So according to Jesus, there is only one true God. All other gods out there are then false gods, again, according to Jesus. And Jesus says there's only one way to know this true God, and that's through a personal relationship with him. In Matthew 7, 13, Jesus said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many people who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Then in John 3, 3, Jesus made a statement that is still confusing many people today. It's a simple statement. Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And there are Christ followers who don't understand that statement. There are Christ followers that say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those crazy born again Christians. And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. And then in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So as you can tell, Jesus' teachings were very narrow-minded and very exclusive. And Jesus didn't offer his teachings as a path to God. He offered his teachings as the path to God. He said, there's only one way. There aren't many ways. But here's a very interesting thing. This man with his exclusive, narrow-minded message pursued inclusivity with others like no one else ever has. So one time Jesus deliberately touched an untouchable leper. So if you were a leper in a community, nobody wanted you around. And so they would send you off to your own community where you were unclean and you shouldn't be around anybody. And yet Jesus deliberately touched one of those untouchable lepers that nobody else would touch. Another time he allowed a prostitute to wash his feet when he was at a dinner party with a dignitary. Can you imagine how scandalous that was for him that day? And then on another occasion, Jesus went out and had a dinner party, like responded to an invitation to a group of tax collectors that invited him to come out to a dinner party. And the kind of the buzz in the community was, Jesus is partying with tax collectors. Can you believe that? What are they doing there? That's horrible. And yet Jesus didn't care about that because he cared about the people that he was reaching out to. Jesus reached out to foreigners who were despised by their own culture. So listen to that story found in John chapter four. So John chapter four tells a story of Jesus leading his disciples on a trip one day. So he's leading his disciples. They're going from an area in Israel known as Judea in the south, and he's going to Galilee in the north. But to get to Galilee, he has to pass through Samaria. So for us, conceptually, just imagine that you are in Volusia County and you want to go to St. John's County, but you got to go through Flagler County, and you're walking there. Now, for the Jews, and that would be Jesus was a Jew and his disciples were Jewish. So the disciples would not have wanted to walk through Samaria. Most people that were Jewish did not want to go through Samaria because that's where all those Samaritans were. 
Let me explain what a Samaritan was. So a Samaritan was the result of one parent who was Jewish who married a person of another culture and they had a child. And that child was considered to be a Samaritan and true Jews despised Samaritans because they were considered half-breeds. So they didn't want anything to do with them. They avoided them at all costs. And and yet, what did Jesus do? He led his disciples straight through Samaria. And we'll see what happened in John chapter four, verse five. It says, eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Now, we may think, you know what? That's just like a simple thing. He's thirsty, he's asking for a drink. This was a scandalous thing that Jesus was involved in here. Again, Jews would have nothing to do with Samaritans and a, Jew would have, a Jewish man would have nothing to do with a Samaritan woman. And his disciples are gonna come back later. We won't see this in what I'm gonna read. But if you read the full context of the story, you'll see they're like in shock. They're like, oh, Jesus, you're talking to a Samaritan woman. What are you doing? But nobody had the courage to ask Jesus what he was doing. So verse eight says he was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Verse nine says the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, like you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman on top of that. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And Jesus shared his exclusive message with her. And he explained, I am the Messiah. I am the savior of the world. This woman in response ran back to her village, told her whole town about Jesus. The whole town came out to hear Jesus' exclusive message. And verse 39 says this, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Then verse 40 says, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. So see what Jesus did there with his exclusive message. He took his exclusive message and he turned it into an inclusive mission. And he wanted everybody everywhere to hear that he is the savior of the world. Then he handed that mission off to his followers. And he did that in Matthew 28. So in Matthew 28, it's known as the Great Commission. And verse 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if you are a Christ follower, you have been given a mission. You've been given an exclusive message and a radically inclusive mission. But here's a problem. Many of us, myself included at times, we get our message and our mission mixed up. 
we get a little bit confused on what we're supposed to be doing. And so instead of going into all the world to tell everyone everywhere about Jesus, we often keep Jesus to ourselves. We create little holy huddles because we don't know what to do with those Samaritans out there. And the sad reality is that many followers of the most inclusive man in the history of the world have become some of the most exclusive people in the world. And we hold Jesus to ourselves We don't go out and interact with people who aren't like us, who don't talk like us, who don't live like us, who don't dress like us. Again, because we're not really sure what to do with those people. But what did Jesus do? He walked straight through Samaria and he taught us how to share his exclusive message in a radically inclusive way. That's why here at Epic, we want everybody to hear the message of Jesus and how that can can transform their lives. And so uh, for us, that kind of helped us develop our tagline as a church. And if you've seen any of our 3G shirts or any of our t-shirts, or if you've been to our website, you've seen our tagline. And I'm just curious, does anybody know our tagline? Church for people who don't do church. You've been there. That's awesome. So Uh, Our tagline has two meanings. If you're new to us, you may think like, what does that mean? I'm not really sure. Well, I'm going to explain it to you this morning. And if you aren't new to us, I hope that you'll listen and be able to uh, share this in the community. So if you're out shopping one day and you happen to have your shirt on, somebody says, a church where people don't do church, what's that all about? Instead of saying, I don't know, come to church. I mean, tell them to come to church. That's great. But You can answer it. You can tell them. So it has two meanings. So the first meaning is this. We don't want to just do church. We really want to learn how to be the church. See, for me, I grew up around the church, around the church culture. So um, my parents had me in church since before I can remember. And much of what I experienced in church was people, and I'll put myself in that group because I was part of that many times in my life, where I would attend but not be transformed by the messages on Sunday. And I observed that we were really good at creating holy huddles, where it was just kind of us four and no more. And we didn't really care about what happened to those people out there. But if somebody changed their life, if somebody started looking like us, talking like us, singing like us, if they, they, they knew songs that were hundreds of years old that most people don't know today, if they learned those things and came to church, if they could understand the, the King James version of the Bible that many people go like, what is that all about? If they understood that, then they could come in, we would welcome them into our group and it would be great. But if people didn't do that, like we didn't know what to do with those folks. We didn't know how to interact with those people. And so for me, much of my experience growing up was about doing church. It was about checking off boxes. And when, when we got to starting Epic, we said, we don't want to be about doing church. We want to be the church. We want to learn how to be the church in action for each other and for our community. That's why we do things like 3G Saturday. That's why we do three, things like 3G Sunday. That's why we work with Grace Community Food Pantry. We do food drives with, with them. That's why we work with Habitat for Humanity. That's why we work with Alpha Pregnancy Center. That's why when a hurricane rolls through town, we mobilize a group of people and say, hey, let's go out and serve our neighbors because God has placed us in this community to serve people and help them know that God is for them and so are we. And so we want to learn how to be the church. The second meaning of our tagline is this. We are after people who don't do church. 
We're after people who are in our community. If you would invite them to church, they'd say, no, nah, no thanks, I don't do church. Like I've either had a bad experience or no experience, you know, like don't want to be a part of that group, you know, like that, that whole label that Christians have of being narrow-minded and exclusive and the hypocrisy, all that stuff, like no thanks. Well, those are exactly the people that we are after. And our tagline kind of drives us in that and how we operate. So I was informed of a statistic this past week in one of our meetings, and uh, it was kind of a humbling statistic. So uh, take a look at this statistic as it comes up on the screen here. 67% of our county claims they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. And that could mean like they had a bad uh, experience in their lives and so they walked away from that or no experience whatsoever. They don't want any part of that. But 67% of our county says, you know what? I don't do church. And then only 10% of our county claims that they're evangelical Christians. And that would be what Jesus was talking about when he said, unless you're born again, you cannot, be, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Only 10%. So when I look at those figures, I go, we live in a target-rich environment. There are thousands of people in our community who say, I don't do church. And guess what? God wants us to reach them. God wants us to invite them in to his exclusive message and be transformed by that and for them to join his exclusive message. Mission And again, our tagline drives us in that. Our tagline drives us in, in how we serve our community. Our tagline drives us on what we do on Sunday mornings. It drives us in the clothes that we wear, the songs that we sing, the way that we teach, the way that we craft our environments to be as engaging as they possibly can. Our tagline drives us to reach out into our community and connect with people who don't do church. So hopefully, prayerfully, one day, they'll respond to the greatest message that's ever been given to anybody, that Jesus is the savior of the world. And the really cool thing is, is we have gotten to see that happen all the time at Epic. I personally watch that happen on a regular basis. So on any given Sunday, I meet people, and I love meeting new people. If you're a new person, I would love to meet you after the service. Just come up to me and say, hey, I'm new, and I, I would love to meet you and get to know you a little bit. But on any given Sunday, I will meet people who are coming into Epic and some of them have large amounts of skepticism in their lives, and, and you may be in that spot today. Like maybe you showed up here uh, at the invitation of a friend because of this series, and you're just checking this series out, not really interested in uh, church, but you're interested in some of what we're talking about. If that's you, I'm so glad that you're here. I meet people like that on a regular basis. And some people that I meet come in, and they've got like a chip on their shoulder, like they're angry at God, they're angry at his followers. Like they come in like a huge iceberg that will never seem to warm up to the things of Jesus. And if they come back, I often watch this happen. I watch people go from iceberg to icicle to ice cube. And then, not everybody, but then there are a number of people that I've watched warm up to the message of Jesus and get to the spot where they say like, like, I think I believe this now. Like I didn't at one point, like I was cold to all this, but I've been learning about a loving God who sent Jesus to die so I can live and I am ready. 
I watch a number of people cross that bridge of faith, put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and it's amazing to watch. So I want you to listen to a story of one person who has uh, described this for me in in an experience that they've had over the past couple of years. So listen to her story. I was born to two very loving parents who did their very best to raise a family. My father battled with addiction from a young age and sadly does to this day. My mom's addiction was my father and our home was insane to say the least and my sister and I were caught somewhere in the middle. At the age of 12, I was put in the position to call the cops on my father for my family's safety. Can you imagine that? That's a big decision this young girl had to make. And this call resulted in my father being sent to prison for over seven years. At such a young age, I took on a whole lot of guilt and shame, not fully understanding the role a child plays in a situation of such magnitude. No one ever talked to me about what happened except for my father. And the only words I heard through my fear and my pain was, it's your fault, I'm here. Almost immediately after this incident, I began to search uh, for love outside of myself and God. I began to seek love from other people and it ended up destroying me. Through this destruction, I vowed to never let another man hurt me. And I chose this for 16 years and I learned a lot of unhealthy survival skills that that as an adult were harming me. My life was full of paralyzing fear and I didn't know how to escape it other than numbing myself from life. Due to my father's disease, I had a very healthy fear of what a life full of addiction looked like, so I eventually sought help. And it's been five years since I began healing from what growing up in a family of such chaos did to me. Sometimes it even is still scary to let people in, but I'm learning that there are many safe people in the world. Almost two years ago, I met a new friend who attends Epic. She always seemed to be so happy and and very grounded in her faith, and I wanted what she had. So one day I asked, what time are services, and I chose to meet her. I didn't know why I did that. I just did. And it just so happened to be the Sunday before a 3G event. And to my surprise, again, I signed up. And I kept coming and something started to change inside of me. I had blamed religion for all of the shame and guilt I felt while growing up. I felt not good enough, damaged, judged, and unworthy. But at Epic, I found something very different. Some of the things I love about Epic are the genuine smiles and hugs, involvement in the community, and most importantly, that we walk the walk and not just talk the talk. It feels authentic and real, and that's what I need in my life. Epic teaches of a God that loves me unconditionally, and I know today that there is nothing I can do that will make God love me any less or any more. My journey has not been easy, but it's been so worth it. It took everything that has happened in my life to get me to where I am today, and I love the person I am today, and I love my God. I also love Epic for being the church and welcome me, welcoming me from day one. Isn't that an amazing story? That's a story of, of one of our church members, somebody who came and spent some time thawing out and getting to a spot where they said, you know what, like, I'm in. Like, I, I, can, I can put my faith and trust in a God who loves me that much. And here's the really cool thing. Over the past eight and a half years in the life of our church, we've seen at least 490 people make that decision. 490 people. Not all of them here, some of them outside of our church, some of them on international mission trips, but we have seen people say, 
I'm going to respond to that exclusive message, and I'm going to join Jesus in his inclusive mission. Now, I want you to hear why Jesus' message is so exclusive and why our mission uh, as his followers should be so inclusive. If there were many ways to God, I think Jesus would have acknowledged that. I think Jesus would have said to his followers, listen, gang, there are many ways. Just choose a way. Find a way. Find a way that works for you and sincerely follow that path and you will find God the Father on that path. If there were many ways to God, I think Jesus would have said that. But here's the thing about sincerity. We can be sincerely wrong. Sincerity is not the key to eternal life. Jesus is. So we need to find the right path to be on, not just any path to be on. And if Jesus was not the right path, then answer this. Why would Jesus agree to die a horrible death? Again, I think if there were many ways to God, Jesus would have told us that. He would have said, hey, you can get there on your own. Just work harder. Like, try harder, you can get there, or there's another path. I don't think Jesus would have been willing to go through Roman crucifixion if that were not the only way for us to have eternal life. But Jesus had to die. He had to die to pay for our sins and make it possible for us to be restored in a right relationship with God the Father. And so again, Jesus says there's only one way. Jesus' message was very exclusive. But again, his message should be, his mission should be radically inclusive for all of us who are his followers. So as we close today, let me talk with two different groups of people that are here. So uh, let me start with Christ followers. So if you're a Christ follower, you have been entrusted with the greatest message and you've been asked to share it in the most inclusive ways possible. And I'd like to ask, how are you doing at that? How are you doing at sharing Jesus' message that he died so everyone has the opportunity to live for all of eternity. How are you doing at sharing that with people at home, at work, at school? How are you doing at sharing that with people who are nothing like you? You know those Samaritans out there that you would rather avoid? How are you doing at sharing that message with them? Because God wants that message shared with everyone, everywhere. Have you been tempted to step back from those people, hoping that maybe someone out there will share it with them. Maybe someone will, will have the courage to share that story. Maybe one day they'll see a, a, an, a Billy Graham show on TV and respond. And hopefully something like that'll happen. But what about for you? God has placed you in their world to share this message in a radically inclusive way. How are you doing at that? I think that's a question all of us needs to, need to ask on a regular basis. Now, if you aren't a Christ follower, and I know every Sunday we have a, a handful of folks that are here just kind of checking things out that would say, you know, I'm not a, a Christ follower yet. I'm just kind of exploring. If that's you, I'm so glad you're here. And I want to just kind of close by talking to you about what Jesus said. The world tells us that there are many ways to God, and Jesus said there's one way. He called it the narrow gate. And he's asking all of us to respond to the narrow gate. And I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says about that narrow gate. And he uses different terminology. So he's going to shift his terminology just a little bit. But listen to what Paul says in Romans 3. 
Verse 21, it says, now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Now the requirements of the law was that you had to be perfect. If you didn't live a perfect life, then you weren't in. And the problem was nobody could live a perfect life except Jesus. Jesus came to do that for us. So verse 22 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for, who's it true for? Everyone. Everyone. It's true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know or don't know. It doesn't matter uh, whether you've been to church before, you've grown up in church, or you've never been to church before in your life, and this is the very first day. The only thing that matters is you putting your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's how you start a relationship with the God who loves you. And that relationship will last for all of eternity. That's how we begin that relationship. And then we follow that relationship up by learning how to live in that relationship on a regular basis. Now, um, I can imagine that just maybe there's a few people here that are ready to do that. Like just maybe you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And yet maybe today as you hear this exclusive message, what Jesus has done for you, maybe you're ready to respond you're ready to enter the narrow gate. And God gives us the opportunity to choose. We can say, I don't wanna go through that gate or I wanna go through that gate. So you have the ability to choose this morning. And I'm gonna guide you through what's called the ABC prayer of salvation. Very simple, very simple prayer. If you are a Christ follower, I hope you'll learn this prayer so that when you're out talking to somebody in the community, you can help them enter the narrow gate now, like I say all the time, there's nothing magical about these words. You can pray these words and it mean nothing to you and it mean nothing for all of eternity. Or you can pray something along these lines and mean it with all your heart and it'll mean everything for you today and for all of eternity. So here's the ABC prayer of salvation. A, God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. So the thing about the reality, Jesus came as a savior. So that means people need to be saved. People need to be saved from something. And the thing that we need to be saved from is ourselves and our sin that separates us from God. So I admit, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Number two, I believe, Jesus, you are that savior and you died so I can live. And number three, I commit my life to following you. That's the ABC prayer of salvation. It's simple, and yet it is eternally profound. And I'm gonna give you the opportunity. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus before in your life, and if you'd like to enter the narrow gate, I'm gonna give you the chance to do that that this morning. So if you would, let's all bow our heads and pray together. So God, this morning, I know that there just might be some folks here who are ready to put their faith and trust in you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, if, if that is uh, them this morning, I pray that they would respond to you drawing them, respond to you pulling them. Uh, Lord, unless you draw us, none of us can respond. And Lord, I know that your message is for everybody, so you're drawing. So this morning, if, if that's you, if you're at that spot where you know you need to respond to Christ's exclusive message, I encourage you to pray something along these lines. God, I admit, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe, Jesus, you are that savior who died 
so I can live. And I commit now to follow you the rest of my life and I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and be my personal Lord and my Savior. Now, with every head bowed and eyes still closed, I'd just like to ask, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you raise your hand high for me to see just so I can celebrate with you and acknowledge that? I see one hand. That's great. I see two hands. I see three hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? You're deciding today to enter the narrow gate, put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I don't want to miss anybody. And again, you know, raising your hand is not the thing that puts you into a relationship with God. It's the decision you make in your heart. Um, so God, I'm so grateful for these three people who have said, I'm in. I'm, I'm walking into the narrow gate. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would strengthen them in this new relationship. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. So would you celebrate with me? At least three people this morning said, I'm in. I hope that never gets old to us. And if you're one of those three people, what I encourage you to do is I encourage you to start getting to know Jesus better. So grab one of our Bibles at the back of each seating section, take it home and start reading the book of John. So as you spend time reading the book of John, you'll get to know Jesus. You'll see God's love and action for you. And then I encourage you to keep coming back every Sunday so you can get to know Jesus and God the Father on a, on a, a regular basis, get to know them better. And then I encourage you to tell somebody this morning the decision that you have made. Now, there was no... Um, No mistake that Jesus' message was exclusive, but his mission has always been and always will be radically inclusive. So if you're a follower of Jesus, we're supposed to go tell everybody everywhere. everywhere. And as our worship team sings today, they're going to close us out in a song about us being sent out into the world. So today as you leave, I hope that you will hold on to that that thought. I hope a, a... fire will light in your heart and you will say, I have to go and share this message with everybody everywhere. So if you'll stand with me, let's pray one more time and our worship team will close us out. So God, super excited for the the three people at least that put their faith and trust in you this morning. And Lord, you've offered to all of us to walk through that narrow gate. And Lord, it's a simple decision to do that. And then we've got to learn how to step into that new relationship that we have in you, with you and grow in that new relationship. So Lord, I pray for these folks as they do that. And I pray for all of us, Lord. I pray for those that are still deciding. There may be a few people here still deciding about putting their faith in you. So Lord, help them on that journey. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a very powerful way. And Lord, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would leave today knowing that we have been sent into the world to take this exclusive message of Christianity and to share it in the most inclusive ways, the way that Jesus has done. I pray that we will do that in Jesus' name, amen.